Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for August 2nd, 2020. Koyo Kobose here. So very glad you joined us. Beginning of August. Well, you know, there was a a lady in Japan. She's a family friend and uh, quite active in the Buddhist circles. Uh, she's a native Japanese, so... Uh, but she was not too bad in English, and she wanted uh, to translate one of my father's books, Venice, into English. She really liked uh, uh, this book in Japanese, uh, which was taken from um, you know my father first started his Buddhist temple, Chicago, uh, 1944. Now at that time what we call the Issei, or first-generation Japanese immigrants, would be my grandparents' generation. Uh, Japanese was their native language and uh, first language. And uh, so my father, when he wrote the monthly bulletin for his uh, Chicago Buddhist Church, um, he would write articles in both English and another article in Japanese, you know. And... Everyday Suchness, in fact, was compiled from his early uh, years of writing his articles in English. And uh, a book in Japanese was published compiling all his articles in Japanese. So that's the one that she wanted to translate into English because she you know, thought it was had a lot of good teachings in it. And although she was bilingual, Japanese was her first language, so she wasn't quite uh, confident about some of the English translations, and she came across a word 
that she wanted to get some more opinions about uh, the Japanese word was takkan. And so she asked me, could you ask around to other bilingual speakers what, you know, what would be their translation of takkan? So I asked some uh, Buddhist ministers from Japan uh, that have been here a long time, and they were, you know, really bilingual. And so I gave her some feedback on it. And um, uh, it trans- well, one translation would be broad perspective or philosophical perspective. And I said, yeah, this is, everybody said that this is a important Buddhist teaching. And uh, the lady said, yeah, it's the gateway to Satori. And uh, because of this experience, I remembered this word, Takan. And it, this is how teachings, life teachings, I think, uh, occur or happen to a person. And Takan, boy, that really stuck for me and became a very dominant, prominent teaching for me. And one nice example, I think, of Takan is uh, person, place, and time. And again, uh, at an interfaith retreat, there was... uh, this time was a Hindu lady was representing Hinduism. And, we were, you know, there's only about half a dozen of us. And we were in a discussion, and she happened to mention person, place, and time, uh, that Hinduism's view of causation and so forth. And, of course, you know, Buddhism came out of Hinduism, and there's, I'm sure there's some, a lot of overlap. But I thought this was a, uh, a nice encapsulation of karma, causation, and the Buddhist view of things that that is non-dogmatic. Okay, uh, if you ex- truth, if you say truth, well, what is truth? Well, you might start talking about absolute truth or relative truths. Or if you say, uh, here's the facts, or well, you know what we call the facts might depend upon the person, place, and time. Truth is the same way, and of course, our values, our priorities, our perspectives, our opinions depend upon person, place, and time. Depends on the person, depends upon the context, the place, and time. Even for the same person, their views might change over time, several decades or so. Who knows? So it provides a context. I think I think the context is so crucial for avo- avoiding needless arguments and misguided thinking, you know. Uh, And one aspect of context is, you know, a lot of times we don't say, we sometimes we just state what we think is a fact instead of saying, well, I believe or I feel or I think this or according to scientists or according to proper belief, blah, blah, blah. To know Takkan, to know that things depend upon person, place, and time, okay, is right understanding. You know? um, so when you think about right speech, same thing, person, place, and time. Okay. Well, of course, you, you know, you don't lie and so forth. Okay, right speech. 
What about a white lie? What about, I mean, well, what about gender differences? What's, the, what's proper? You know? And so I was just thinking about this uh, this morning because uh, I thought there was a nice personal incident of gender differences in communication and speech. Uh, I had been outside working this early this morning and I came in and, you know, our bathroom. Uh, uh, bathroom toilet is getting clogged up. Uh, my wife has told me this. We've had some incidents like this over the past few months. And it gets clogged. doesn't flush. The water level starts rising. And I guess it happened again. And she just had dealt with it. And so she told me, she says, man, we, we have to do something or look into what's causing this because, and so she told me, you know, what happened and she, that she had to plunge, plunger and uh, plunge, uh, uh, work that plunger many, 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 many times. And then it went down. And I started chuckling and she said, hey, what's so funny? I said, well, uh, I guess a guy would say, I had to plunge the heck out of it or something like that. But uh, for her point of emphasis, she expressed it in her way. And uh, I just got kind of a kick out of that gender difference. Uh, Be that as it may, I want to introduce today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse. Wendy Shinyo lives in upstate New York, and she was part of our LM2 group has been very active in the Bright Dawn Center of Oneness Buddhism. Okay, Wendy Shinyo, it's all yours. Today I'd like to talk about the Great Buddha Maha COVID-19. You may have heard of the Buddha's Flower Sermon, which is one of the principal teachings in Zen. The story goes like this. The Buddha appeared before a gathering of his disciples who were waiting for words from their teacher. On that day, though, there were no words. Instead, the Buddha was silent. Time passed, and the Buddha was still silent. The disciples, of course, were confused and impatient. They're thinking, what you would be thinking? What's going on? Why aren't you talking? What are you doing? But then... The Buddha held up a white lotus flower, picked from the pond nearby and still dripping mud from its roots, and he twirled it. The group of disciples were still puzzled. I imagine they tried to understand the meaning of what the Buddha was doing, still not speaking, but just holding the flower. There was one disciple, however, who understood the meaning. This disciple, Mahakashapa, began to grin. And according to the story from the Zen koan by woman, the gateless gate, case six, the Buddha announced this, I have the eye treasury of the true Dharma, the marvelous mind of Nirvana, the true form of no form, the subtle gate of the Dharma. This wisdom does not depend on letters. It is now transmitted outside all all formal teachings And I now entrust it to Kashapa. 
James Ford, the Zen priest and ordained Unitarian Universalist minister, writes about this story. And he added that woman added another verse at the end of the story that is typically told. The verse goes, twirling the flower, the snake shows its tail. Kashapa breaks into a smile and the world is startled into silence. You know, I love the last line of that verse. And the world is startled into silence. You know, I've been thinking about that line in relationship to this time of the global pandemic and social unrest. The world and the U.S. in particular has been startled and traumatized by events not imagined possible, combined with a very uncertain future leaving everyone shaken. Startled? Yes. Traumatized? Yes. Silent? Mm, Not so much. Blame, rage, anger, frustration, and fear are continuously expressed, yelled, and cried in person and on every social media platform. But no silence to be found. But again, there's no Buddha holding a lotus flower for us. Only fearful and divisive news and commentary. So we miss the teaching. Or we don't know where to look for it. According to some commentary on this story, the Buddha used telepathy or mind-to-mind energy transmission of the teaching that only Kashapa seemed to be able to tune into. He seemed to be the only one tuned to that frequency. So what frequency are we tuned to that we have seemingly missed the teaching of the pandemic, the great COVID-19 pandemic temporarily stopped the world. The pandemic didn't hold a flower for us, didn't show us where to look for the teaching, or did it? David Brazier Sensei says that all suffering are Buddhas. I'll say that again. All suffering are Buddhas. So, The COVID-19 is a great Buddha. I call it the Maha COVID-19. The world stopped long enough for many things to be revealed. The gross inequities between the poor, the minimum wage, our black and brown brothers and sisters, our elderly and chronically chronically ill, our immigrant population, those in prisons, and the rest of us. They were all exposed and held up for all to see by the pandemic. But at the same time, there was silence, at least in the early part of the pandemic, during March and part of April, before people seemed to decide that they were tired of this and wanted to get back to normal, and in doing so created a lot of noise. That teaching of silence is harder to find right now, but it's still there. You know, I was startled by the silence offered by the great COVID-19 pandemic, the Maha COVID-19, startled by the slowness of life combined with the rapidness of changing facts and uncertainty. Startled, shocked, I was more aware of the sounds and sights right around me as well as the feelings inside me. You know, when your future becomes completely uncertain and the past seems remote and dreamlike, 
you have only what's in front of you and what's inside you, an embodiment of the now. I noticed that the forget-me-nots were bluer than I ever remembered them. And the sedum swept the garden with pink and then quickly fled. I noticed that the birds, squirrels, and chipmunks act as if everything was as before. For them, it is. Everything is always uncertain for them. It is as it always was. While I struggle to forget that we don't know what's next, the gray squirrel patiently waits for a bit of seed to fall from the feeder above him. He doesn't know what's next. Maybe the bird feeder is empty and nothing will fall to the ground. No worries. He moves on. The Flower Sutra teaches us the beauty of a flower, the aimless, goalless beauty offered by the flower's existence. It just is. It doesn't plan or try to be beautiful. It is by its isness. The world, too, is. It all is as it is. It is suchness. And you know, this reminds me of these verses from the Bible, from Matthew six twenty-eight through 34. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to believe in the Bible. You don't have to believe that Jesus talked about this. You don't have to believe that there's evil. You don't have to believe in any of this. But the teachings from these verses are like the Buddha's teachings with the lotus flower. We can contemplate the lilies of the field and appreciate their inherent beauty, which is aimless suchness and being, just being. And James Ford also echoed this same sentiment when he reminded us of William Blake's lines from the poem Auguries of Innocence. To see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wildflower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. So this appreciation of the moment, of the beauty and stillness all around us, is preached, sermonized, and shared in every religion and spiritual thought system. It is a universal teaching, and it is universally accessible to all. So the flower just is, and our smile at the flower, and the squirrel, and the crazy song of the catbird. As James Ford summarized in his writing on the Flower Sutra, our lives and our stories 
collapsed in a moment of noticing. Just this, he says, and from this noticing, from that flower as it twirled, from that smile, that lovely grin, just as it is, an invitation into all that is and was and will ever be. Everything follows, every blessed thing. And so for me, with that, I offer this as a as a moment for you to think about it as a practice, a check-in with yourself today. What have you noticed since the initial pandemic lockdowns in March? What have you noticed about the world around you? What have you noticed about the feelings and thoughts inside you? And have you noticed a change from March to today? How are things different for, for you? Have you grown more appreciative of the simple things? Or have you grown increasingly impatient to, t- to return to what was normal? Have you become less fearful or more? Have you become less reactive to the angry and divisive voices all around you? Or are you more reactive and triggered? These are some things to think about when you think about realizing just the moment in front of you, just that, just as it is. That's one of the great teachings of the great Maha COVID-19 Buddha. Thank you and have a wonderful day noticing the world around and inside you. And don't forget to wear your mask. Oh, boy. I love Wendy. She knows teaching and her Dharma talks. Somehow it's uh, simultaneously at the same time lofty and down to earth. Uh, She also has a nice podcast, very popular, Everyday Buddhism. Um, uh, Check it out. Sometimes we get uh, people in our lay ministry uh, study program and uh, in their application, one of our items in our application is the last item is, well, where where did you hear about Bright Dawn Center and so forth? And I'm glad I added that uh, item because you hear interesting aspects (laughs) and some of them are, Boy, uh, I heard that uh, uh, on Wendy Shinyo Sensei's podcast that she studied at the Brighton Center. Okay, no, Noah Rashita also has a very popular podcast on secular Buddhism, and sometimes they say, "Well, I heard that in Noah Sensei's podcast that he has studied at Brighton Center." And so uh, people are, Wendy Shinyo Sensei and Noah Sensei are blue chip ambassadors, we could say, for the Brighton Center approach. But as I listened to the Dharma talk today, I it triggered off associations for teaching phrases. In, from my own experience and uh, renewed them and made them deeper for me. Um, when she talked about a flower, 
uh, and the flowers don't talk. That was uh, the title of a book by um, Shibayama Roshi, uh, Japanese uh, uh, Rinzai Zen master, contemporary one in Japan. And he wrote a book in, uh, in Japanese, but it was translated into English by some of his uh, bilingual students. And the title was A Flower Does Not Talk. Isn't that interesting? You know? <laughs> uh, and just as a side note, when I was a graduate student at the University of Iowa, there was a notice that Shibuyama Roshi was going to give a lecture. He got a lecture tour of the United States, and he was going to be at the University of Iowa campus. So Adrian and I, we, we attended. Uh, I didn't know anything about Shibuyama Roshi. Okay? Uh, and he spoke in Japanese, a few sentences, and then his translator, very lovely young lady, she would give the translation in English. And he'd say some more lines in Japanese. She would translate. Uh, and, of course, I was very impressed. I don't remember the, any content particularly, but I, I certainly was impressed. And I was inspired and I was motivated. And it planted a seed in my mind that I wanted to go to Japan and see if I could study at his temple, Nanzenji in Kyoto, Japan. It wasn't until about five, six years later when my karmic weight of things were such that I acted on this. And uh, I asked my father, to write a letter to Shibayama Roshi, you know, he had to write it in Japanese, asking if I could come and study at his temple. And uh, we received the reply that Shibayama Roshi, uh, Rinzai Zen master, said, no, why well, he's retired and, you know, he's not active anymore. But he recommended uh, Uchiyama Roshi at Antaiji Temple, who he knew was had welcomed foreigners to sit zazen meditation at his temple. And it was kind of unusual, as pointed out to me, that someone from the Rinzai denomination would recommend a teacher who was of the Soto tradition. Usually they wouldn't do that. But these two people, these two Roshis were very unique, as I, as it turns out very unique individuals and they were conduits or gates east and west and so I did go to I did go to Japan and study at Antaiji Temple uh, and that was a start of uh, significant spiritual growth for me. So that all flashback was a flashback for me from this thing. Okay, that's all for today's broadcast.
Till next time, keep going, and you have a wonderful day. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.